You're listening to Conversation with the Experts, a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, my name is Tanya Ramos, and I'm a clinical nurse educator with the Royal Children's Hospital Allied Health and Nursing Education Outreach Program. I'm also a clinical nurse specialist in PACU. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Carolyn Sahar, clinical nurse educator for the perioperative department. Carolyn oversees education for theatres, cardiac theatres, PACU, day centre, including our pre-admission and short-stay possum unit. Welcome, Carolyn, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tanya, for this opportunity. Thank you so much. I actually wanted to really highlight the role that um, the perioperative nurses do and actually tell other clinicians about the role. This role is really unseen and so vital in the care of children presenting for surgery. It's really not just about passing instruments um, and ensuring that everything's sterile. Can you actually tell us a little bit about the role of that scrub scout nurse? Sure, that is so true, Tanya. The interop nursing role is unseen to our patients and the families, but it is so important in the care and during of the child during surgery. The interop nurse is also known as either a scrub nurse, which is the instrument nurse, or the scout nurse, who is uh, also known as a circulating nurse. Uh, both of these roles are required in the care of the patient during surgery. And our Scrub Scout nurses actually work in either of those roles. Collectively, we are known as the interop nurse and we work closely with our surgeons, assisting with the procedure or the surgery at hand. We do need to know um, about the instrumentations, about the surgery we're actually performing. Um, We do need to be prepared for that role. Um, We are part of the team that actually cares for the patient um, when they are unconscious and vulnerable. Uh, It is so important because the parents, um, being we are paediatric, we're paediatric interop nurses, the parent has left their child in our care in um, theatre and we're there to assist with um, all the other medical people in the actual operating suite. We're there to make sure that we are the patient's advocate and we do what is right um, and the procedure is right for that patient. And that's so vital, isn't it, Carolyn, that you really ensure you're part of the team that ensures that the right surgery is done for the right patient at the right time in the right limb. Yeah, and I will, I'll elaborate that a bit further on how we do that. Like you said that, you know, we do have to pass instruments and we do because that's part of the surgery. We do have to get all the equipment that is required for the surgery. We have to have the instrumentation and the consumables um, for that procedure and we have to have them all on hand. So we have to preempt also, you know, if things do go wrong during the surgery and we have to be able to react quickly and make sure we have everything that is required So we work together very closely with the surgeon. So, you know, we're prepared before the list start to know exactly what we require for that patient. It's not just all about the instruments, though. We have to remember that, you know, things sometimes do go wrong during surgery and we have to be there for that patient as well. And, you know, with including the anaesthetic team, that we're there to assist them if something's do go wrong, such as say if we have a bleeding vessel, we have yep. to be reactive and have it all ready to prevent any further It sounds like it's such a, such a collaborative role and communication's really important. It is. It's, a, it's about a teamwork and we do. We have to work as a team and we have to have very good communication between all 
people in the theatre. I mean, the theatre, you know, it's not a very big room. We're very fortunate here at RCH that our operating um, theatres are quite large. I mean, they were purposely built for us and they are the state of the art theatres. But, you know, we work very closely and we have to communicate well and do what's right for our patients. And that's what we're trying to do at all times. You have to remember during surgery, very important part is the surgical count. And so we have to make sure we count all our consumables and our instruments. And can you tell us why that's so important? Yeah. And that is because we don't want to have anything left in the patient. And I'm sure lots of people out there have probably heard horror stories of, you know, people that have had an artery left in them or they've had a swab left Mm -hmm. in their body. And that causes lots of complications. And that's why we don't want that to happen. And so we have to have accurate um, documentation. We have a surgical count that we have to count all the instruments at the beginning of the case and the consumables we use, such as sutures, swabs, packs, yeah. and we have to make sure we have them all at the end of the case as and well. And that's such a big responsibility, you know, being, I guess, a, a, an instrument nurse and, and a scrub scout nurse, having that accountability of all the surgical equipment yeah. that's present yeah. there, making sure that's what's gone in has come out. Yeah. And you know what? Our surgeons can't perform their job which is very important in the actual operation, but they need us to be there and have everything for them and make sure that everything is ready for them. Yeah, it's you're the eyes and ears that they need to perform that surgery as well. Yeah, and the nurses do have to have a good sound knowledge of their anatomy and physiology as well. So, you know, we need to know what the surgery is, what part of the body we're actually, you know, the organ we're actually operating on and making sure that we're going to have good outcomes for all our patients. So, so important. And I guess that sort of leads me to my next question, which is about what are some of the considerations for caring for children undergoing anesthesia and surgery? So how is it different, I guess, from adult being an adult um, perioperative nurse? Yeah, and look, there is lots of similarities, but there is difference. One is, I mean, look, you know, surgery is scary for anyone at any age, whether you're an adult or a child. That's so but, true. But for a child, it's even they don't understand. And Mm -hmm. again, depending on the age, but we do feel the better prepared our children are. So, you know, the better they get desensitized to things like we actually are very fortunate here at RCH that we have our um, play therapist who can come in and do distraction to get the kids, you know, used to something or they can come in and see an IV or see an oxygen mask that they may have put on. Correct. And we do have all those wonderful B positive videos that are available for families to see prior to coming into hospital. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's really desensitizing. And we do know too, that if the parent is very nervous or Mm. they're anxious, you do see that, especially in younger kids, they become anxious Mm. because they think, well, if they know mum or dad's really worried, well, I should be worried. So we need to, you know, reassure that the families also have an understanding of the procedure that's going, that the child is going to go through. So we do allow a parent or a caregiver to come with the child to the anaesthetic room. And that does help with the separation anxiety. Because, you know, the last thing you want, we look like strangers. We're dressed in our perioperative attire. We have hats on, you know, we have our masks now, our goggles, for their patients to have their parent or um, carer come with them 
has that, you know, they're not as worried. They're not going into just wealth with strangers. So yeah. we do allow that. With our younger kids, the parent or the carer can hold the child on their lap. As we, they're going off to sleep. Yep, yeah. yep. So they will, depending on the age of the child, we can have, you know, distraction, whether it mm -hmm. be bubbles. I know some of our anaesthetists are doing hypnosis. That's right. Um, they can have just watching a video or music. And I know we have been trialling the virtual headsets. I don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. of them. Yeah, but, that's right. Um, that the kids can put those headsets on and they can feel that they're somewhere else and they're not actually in this room, in our anaesthetic room. But saying that about the anaesthetic yeah. room, we are fortunate here at RCH, we have anaesthetic rooms attached to all our theatres. So the child doesn't actually have to go in and see the theatre and see all the instrumentation. Or if they have to though, are they able to as a parent, for example, I guess if there's a case that, um, you know, it's warranted that the child doesn't have an induction in the anaesthetic room, is it possible for the parent to go into the theatre yeah, with their child as yes. they go off to sleep? Yeah, we do. We do allow that. And if yeah. that does happen, the parent does have to put on an over yeah. um, coat on and booties and hats so they're actually dressed um, correctly to go into the theatre. Yep. But we try not. Most of the time we don't have to. Uh, our tiny little babies, our neonates, they really don't know whether they're with their yep. parent or not. So we do actually put them um, to sleep or anaesthetised yep. in the actual Theatre. So that's one thing that we do do a bit different than adults because in adults you just go off into your the theatre by yourself. <laughs> that's so correct. that's one thing that, you know, we do do different. We allow the parent to come with them or it is the carer. Another thing that is a bit different in peds, as I've just said, we've put them to sleep in the anaesthetic room. We mm -hmm. now have to transfer the patient onto the operating room table. Room. That's right. Whereas in adults, you know, if people out there, as an adult, you've been to, mm -hmm. had an operation, you will know that you can climb up on to the operating table. So our yeah. staff in the theatre, that is the nurses and whether it's our theatre theater techs or our anaesthetic team, have to help transfer the patient. Mm -hmm. The patient is anaesthetised. I know a lot of people think, well, we're peds, all our patients mm -hmm. are little, but that's not the case. Yes, they are little. We have preterm babies, but we have right up to 18-year-olds and sometimes over that. And, you know, we do have bariatric patients. Kids seem to be getting heavier and bigger and taller, so we do actually have to transfer them onto the table and off the table. Yeah. And in regards, Carolyn, to, you know, the temperature, I guess, of the theatre. I know that that's something um, that's obviously quite different, um, again, to adult intraoperative nursing. Can you explain why our theatre temperature might be a little bit different? Yeah, sure. So that is true. Our temperature is we have warmer theatres than they do in adults. And that's really because, especially our younger children, they lose a lot of heat. And that's especially through their large heads, especially with our babies. Mm -hmm. They lose a lot, a lot of heat through the head. So we do use warming blankets. Um, we use a bear hugger, which can blow air from below the patient. Mm -hmm. They're lying on it. Or, or forced it air warming, top. some places would refer yes. to them yep. as. Yep. There you go. Yeah, I suppose I've left out yep. the brand name <laughs> we use here. Um, so we do, we try and warm them that way. We do use warm fluids mm -hmm. as well on our patients. Sometimes we will use warm preps as well. Um, I know for our burns patients, where the patients, especially with large burns, 
we do have a lot of exposed um, surface area of their um, bodies and so they actually have a warming mat that we put them on. And we do know that, you know, the um, patients when they go out to recovery, I mean, if we have tried to warm them and keep them warm in theatre, that it's better outcomes for our patients the way they wake up when they are in recovery. Oh, that's so true. Um, it does lead to less um, recovery time, you know, decreased hospital stay, decreased length of stay in recovery. So it, it has a direct effect into what happens yeah, in the recovery room. Yeah. And so we do, and we have to monitor that too, because I mean, yes, we want to keep our patients warm, but we can't overheat them either because yeah. there is complications with that too, to overheat. Um, so we do monitor the heating. The other thing that is different in paediatrics too is the instrumentations we yeah. use. So and tell us a little bit about that because um, obviously you're looking after neonates and then, you know, you said, you know, 18-year-old yeah. patients. Yeah, so we do have to have a variety of size of instrumentation. So, for example, say a mouth gag, like to do a tonsillectomy or any oral surgery, we have to have different sizes because, you know, an infant's mouth is a lot smaller than an 18-year-old and anything in between. So we have different blades for those and different gag sizes to fit the patient. Same with our retractors. Again, you know how deep you have to go inside a patient. We'll have to have different size retractors yeah. for them as well. Yeah. So. And your role, as you said before, it's really about anticipating the requirements for the child that, that they're going to be having un, under surgery. And then I guess also a little bit about surgical preference, the surgeon's preference yeah. of what equipment they like or how they like to do a certain procedure. Yes. Is that right? Yes, so true. I mean, you know, there's lots of different ways of doing the same procedure. And, you know, each of our surgeons do have their own way of doing a procedure. And we actually have um, preference books for those. So, you know, we don't have to remember Every, Every surgeon's <laughs> preferences because yeah. we do have to set up exactly how they want to set up yeah. um, what instrumentation they, they need. Another thing that I can say that is different for paediatrics too is our sutures. We do use a lot of um, absorbable sutures. So, you know, we have to close up a, a wound and a cavity. Yeah. And for paediatric, if you've had sutures removed, you do have to stay still for, you know, the nurse to remove your sutures if this is back on the ward. Here at paediatrics, we do a lot of continuous um, sutures, which is actually underneath the skin and it is absorbable. So the patient doesn't have to have sutures removed. And I guess that all leads to ensuring that children then don't have more traumatic experiences, yeah. you know, having those sutures removed or coming to have another anaesthetic to have that yeah, removed that is... because they can't have it, as you said, maybe on the ward because it's too distressing. Yeah, which is so true. And the thing is we don't, you know, we won't use staples. It's very rare yeah. that we'd ever use staples, whereas in adult. Yeah, everyone's land. stapled, it yeah. feels like. <laughs> and it is, and that's a lot quicker and easier and it's a good yeah. closure yeah. technique. Another thing we do, we can use glue as well, yeah. surgical glue adhere the skin. To adhere the well. wounds. Yeah. I guess I want to ask you another question and, and, you know, this is something that, you know, we really feel passionate about at RCH and that's about, you know, providing that family-centred care. So obviously um, child and family advocacy is really important um, for your role as well in caring for a child in a family-centred manner. How do our intraoperative nurses do this here at RCH? We do practice family-centred care and we want to do what's right by our patients. And sometimes you have to remember in paediatrics, like things that you do in adults, like say taking blood. Yes, we probably all don't like needles, but you know, you have to think about our paediatric population. And you know what, if we could do that under an anaesthetic because they're coming to have surgery, we will do that. And to do that, we need to know. So we have a lot of times that, you know, the ward nurses may ask us, 
to change a dressing or change a nasogastric or take bloods because the patient needs blood taking or even, you know, to give the flu vaccine because they're really scared of needles. And most of the time it is the family, the parents or the carer who will ask that. They know their child's coming to have an anaesthetic, you know. So there's lots of things that we do in theatre for that patient that really could have been done on the ward, but it's going to be less traumatic for the child. And I guess because it's all done at once at a time that they're unconscious and won't have a recollection of that moment. So I guess that leads to better experiences in terms of less trauma, less anxiety, in terms of procedures. Yeah, and so we we have a process, and I know we'll talk to Mm -hmm. that in a few minutes, minutes just to make sure that we do cover all those things. And, you know, about patient dignity, I mean, just like adults, you know, when we transfer a patient onto the table, you know, we'll put on a warm towel. We don't want them just lying on the table, operating table, naked or anything. We have to be thinking about that as yeah, well. Respecting their privacy yeah, and their dignity yeah, at all times. Yes. And that doesn't matter what age, whether that's a tiny little prem baby right up to our 18-year-olds. And, you know, that's yeah. what we're there to make sure. Parents ask us to do that. They, you know, they the child may want to have their favourite toy with them. You mm-hmm. know, yes, we'll bring that into the theatre and have it there, but, it, you know, it will sit on their patient's trolley. It was there and that was what they wanted. And, yeah. And so it, we It's do. so important because often, you know, as I said, for, for many clinicians maybe listening to us today, the perioperative journey is something that stops at when they drop the patient off or they know the patient's coming for surgery and then they come out to recovery into the ward. There's so much knowledge, so much skills, um, so much advocacy. I guess that's mm. something that I'm really always uh, impressed by how passionate you are about uh, patient advocacy and family yeah. care adv- advocacy when that patient is under an anaesthetic and surgery. Yeah, I can tell you one example. We did have a child come to theatre and she brought her teddy with her and she had actually just had a broken arm but we had to pin the broken arm and then put plaster on. Mm -hmm. One of our nurses wrapped up the arm of the teddy in a crepe bandage. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. That was what the parent talked about, that, you know, that we went that tiny little bit further to help that child. The teddy came on that journey with that patient. And, you know, when they woke up in recovery, you know what, Teddy was just like. Teddy had the same thing. Yeah, Teddy was just like. And, you know, they're the things that, you know, people remember and it's just those little things. Another thing that we do do at RCH, I mean, we are a big um, operating suite, Mm -hmm. that we actually walk a parent back out or the caregiver back out to the parent's waiting room. Because, you know, they're going to be totally lost. I mean, they walk in with their child, as I said earlier, they come into the anaesthetic room, but they need to be led back to the parent's waiting area. Yeah. And, you know, that is hard for them at times. And yes, you know what, parents, you know, I'm a parent myself that, you know, they do get teary and they do need comforting. Let them know that, you know, as soon as we've finished the surgery and their child's back out in recovery, that we will have them there. And that's actually such a nice thing for for families to have is one of the members of the team that is in the theatre actually walk them out and sort of reassure them that they're in safe hands. Yeah, and that's what we do and that's all. I mean, you know, and sometimes some parents, you know, have lots of questions and you know what, we try and answer all those questions and you know what, if we can't, we'll make sure um, someone, and a lot of the questions is, you know, how long's the child going to be under Can I come in as soon as they wake up? Yeah, all those sorts of questions. Um, Surgeons do tell the parent and the patient how long things are going to take. But sometimes they forget about 
yeah. putting in how long the anesthetic is going to take and how long it's going to take for the, the child whole to wake experience, up. the yeah. whole time going off to sleep, having the surgery, coming out yeah. to recovery. And the thing is, yeah. and that's what people, that's what the parents worry about, the yeah. caregivers. If their child's been under the, you know, in surgery for so long, something's gone wrong. But, you know, it could have been that Correct. the surgeon had just said the time of the actual surgery, surgery. rather than the, the whole time yeah. that they were going to be anesthetized yeah. as so well. So it's really just reassuring the families. Yeah. And as you said, you know what, they are in good hands. Yeah. And I think I'm going to ask you to just going back to the point we spoke uh, just previously, just about the crucial role that intraoperative nurses have about ensuring that the correct surgery happens on the right patient and the right limb. Yeah. How do you guys do that? Yeah, yeah. So we actually do it. It's called a timeout. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's making sure we have the right patient, right side, right surgery. Here at RCH in paediatrics, we actually do the timeout when the child is on the operating table and they are already anaesthetised. So prior to our timeout, our anaesthetic colleagues and the team will do a sign-in. So when they go out to collect the patient from pre-op, they will make sure they have the right patient. They will be checking the consent that it yep. says what the operation we're doing and they'll check that with the patient and the parent and the guardian. And then when they will then anaesthetise, so they've done their checks, but then when they're on the operating table and they're asleep, the whole surgical team, so I'm talking about the anaesthetic team, the surgeons, plus the nursing staff, we will all pause and we will do the timeout. And the timeout goes through, we're checking the patient's ID band yep. with the consent. So Correct. we're having, ensuring that you've got the right patient. Yeah, so we're making sure we're checking their name, their MRN number, their date of birth. Yep. And then we will be saying the, the surgery that they are consented for. We'll be checking if the site has been marked. And so mm -hmm. with site marking, we only do that if it is multiple sites. Yep. So, you know, if it's a right kidney, we want the right side marked. Correct. But, you know, if we're operating on the heart, we don't need to, there's only one heart. We're yep. not going to be having to mark that. So if it is appropriate, we will check that the site has been marked. We'll also be checking um, if there's any allergies. We do have to know the infectious status too. That's mm -hmm. really important as, you know, we yeah. live in a time too with COVID and there's lots of Correct. different things with that. But, you know, we've had infections mm -hmm. around for a long time. We do have to check that as well. And, you know, that has been done prior to we do our timeout because we want everyone yeah. in the protective um, equipment to start with. The other things we do in the timeout is checking if there is any special requests. And that's something that we do in paediatrics, which would probably be different to adults. And, yeah. And those special requests of what we were talking about before. So do we have to take bloods or do we have to change a nasogastric or change a dressing or whatever, any requests that they're requiring yeah. of us to do during the procedure? We also ask if there's any concerns or and any blood loss. Yeah, and that's something that I really... When I go inside to the operating theatre, like if I'm working maybe a night duty mm -hmm. or a weekend and I go in there to assist or sometimes mm -hmm. even just to watch a surgery I've never seen before, yeah. um, that's something that I always really like when um, the scrub scout nurse asks, do we have any concerns for this yeah. patient? Are we, are we expecting any bleeding? Yeah. Can you tell us why you, you you would ask that? Yeah, so we do that. We ask about the bleeding because we have to make sure we have the right equipment. So yeah. do we need any instrumentations like any vascular clamps or do we need a diathermy? And that's for the bloodless surgery. And if we are going to put on a diathermy, we depend whether it's monopolar or a bipolar, whether we need to have a diathermy plate on the patient because yep. it is an electrical current that um, will actually cauterize vessels and tissues to make that it is bloodless. So we need to know that. So we yep. need to preempt 
And, you know, with blood loss in paediatrics, like especially our um, infants that, you know, you have to worry about, they've got a small um, total blood volume. That's that right. We so only a be, small volume yeah. will lead, of, of loss will lead to a significant yeah. um, outcome. We, yeah. And, you know, maybe do have we had bloods, have they been cross-matched? Are we ready for that? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and remember this timeout is to all the team. Yeah. We're making sure that everyone is prepared for any outcomes for That's the right. patients. So everybody's on the same page anticipating yeah. similar things. Yeah. And, you know, and we are making sure that what's been written down on the consent, because remember it is the guardian, the parent, or whether it is the child's been old enough to give consent, that we are doing what they're consented for. And that's the legalities that, yeah. you know, we have to make sure. And you know what, if something's wrong, we have to fix that. And we're not going to start surgery if there's something wrong with the consent. And at that point, you'd be obviously contacting the family, asking them, I yeah. guess, to come back to the yeah. perioperative department to clarify or to yeah. get the correct signature. Or... Yep, that's right. And that is, it has to be the legal guardian. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn, for today. We've learned obviously so much about um, perioperative nursing and sort of demystifying what is really occurring in the operating theatre. Is there anything else that you think you would want the clinicians out there to know about perioperative nursing? Yeah, I think not to be scared of it. I think there's lots of clinicians, whether they're nursing or, you know, allied health or doctors that, you know, they're not really exposed to the operating suite and the operating theatre. As a scrub scout nurse, we are the unseen heroes of um, part of that surgical team. Correct. You know, things can't happen without... Oh, definitely not. There. And that, you know, it is a patient. There is a child. We try not refer to it, you know, the appendicectomy. And I'm sure people have heard that before. And the same thing happens down, I'm sure, in emergency. But yep. you know what? It is an individual. Yes, it does look different once they are all draped and we've only got the surgical. The limb exposed. Yeah, yep. the surgical site. But, you know, we all know that is someone's child, someone's yep. um, brother or sister. And you know what? We do make a difference. And I'm very proud proud to be a periop um, nurse and it's a very rewarding career and and I think you know we have graduates who come and that you know have no idea about perioperative nursing and you know they come and work with us and you know we've changed a lot of our grad nurses into periop nurses and they've changed their um, you know their vision for how what they want to see as be as a nurse be as a nurse oh such yeah. important work Carolyn yeah. again thank you so much for your time today Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Conversation with the Experts, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast show, Teach, Think, Treat.